Hello there. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a blessing to have another Thursday as far as TNT is concerned. We thank God for each and every one of you who is joining us as far as this moment of conversation is concerned. Uh, I want to, before I get started, just to thank uh, Minister Jeffrey Stevenson for standing in on last Thursday and sharing as far as Bible study is concerned. He dealt with James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I want to pick up today for James chapter 2, starting at verse 14, and we want to try to finish out this chapter. But I think that what I want to do for the time that is mine, uh, because I will not be preaching this Sunday, and to keep up with what we call sermon conversations, uh, we want to be congruent. So I'm going to do today, James chapter 2, verse 14 through verse 20. We're going to focus on verse 14 through verse 20. Next week, we will pick up on verse 21 through verse 26. And then I will preach it that following Sunday. So um, uh, before we get started, uh, I want to uh, ask that we will bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense uh, the movement of God as far as our time of learning is concerned. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you because we realize, oh God, how you have continued to bless us uh, in spite of ourselves. And God, as we prepare to come to study your word, to learn more of thee, we pray right now by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, uh, you will illuminate our heads, that you will warm our hearts, and that you will empower our spirits to hear, understand, and then carry out what you would have for us to do. So God, you, the master rabbi, the ultimate teacher, uh, teach us your ways and let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and in his name we claim it done. Amen. All right. So, um, James chapter 2, starting at verse 14, I want to read and have you all to highlight uh, certain words and phrases, and we're going to do 14 through 20 for the time that is mine today. For the New King James Version of the Word of God, these words are printed. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works. Will you, if you would, highlight the word prophet and circle the word faith? Can faith save him? Circle the word faith and underline the phrase, can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? I like the phrase profit. Verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If you would uh, circle the word faith, underline the word works. But someone will say, you have faith. Circle the word faith. 
and I have works. Underline the word, word works. Show me your faith. Circle the word faith without your works. Underline the word works. And I will show you my faith. Uh, circle the word faith by my works. Underline the word works. Verse 19. You believe well that there is one God. You do well. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the de demons believe and tremble. Highlight that whole verse. Verse 20. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith, circle the word faith, without works, underline the word works, is dead? We're going to stop right there for, for today's conversation. We want to um, kind of focus on really dissecting what real faith looks like. And James is kind of challenging us in a major way that faith has to be connected to works. It has to be connected to our deeds. It has to be connected to our actions. Now, I want to kind of do some intentional theological, apologetic, doctrinal work in this moment, because I think that is very important. We have been told that there is nothing you can do as far as works is concerned to be saved, that we are saved by grace through faith. Let not of ourselves, lest any man or woman should boast. This is what Paul tells us, um, that by grace are we saved through faith. Let me say that again. By grace are we saved through faith. Now, this is very important because I got to set this up uh, before I can expound upon what James is talking about in this particular context. Okay. Uh, and I want to be very, very intentional as far as um, dissecting this. So let's look at for example, what James is dealing with when it comes to faith versus what Paul is talking about when it comes to faith. I believe that James and Paul meant something different when they used the words faith and works. Remember, whenever we do Bible study, we must understand the context in which words and phrases are used or we will take it out of context and then we will misapply it, okay? So each of them, both James and Paul, were responding to a different set of circumstances in using the words faith and works, okay? So when it comes to James, his idea as far as faith and works are concerned is this. And let's look at the concept of faith. For James, when it comes to the concept of faith, he is dealing with dead faith or the danger of empty faith. James knew that if you believe something 
And if your beliefs are not deep enough, that it will never stand up to the trials that believers will have to face in their life. So people will claim faith, but it will be unsubstantiated because it's only connected to words. Okay? Right beliefs ought to produce better behavior. Better behavior ought to be seen in our deeds. Paul's aspect of faith is dealing with a saving faith. Uh, this faith not only opens the doors for grace, grace, but it leads to obedient action. So Paul in Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 puts it like this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice that in this particular text of Ephesians, Paul is saying, we have been saved by grace because of faith, not anything in and of ourselves. He is saying our works do not save us, but if we are saved, we ought to be doing some works. Okay? All right? So I want to kind of set that context up. Um, let's, let's look at James' claim when it comes to this idea of work, because we see work being played out in this particular scripture that I've shared with you all today. This is very important. So James is really drilling home with great tenacity about the idea of the linkage between faith and works. Okay? And so basically what James is saying is that works are the natural product of your faith that is emboldened and alive. So what James is really talking about is how your faith in Christ ought to empower you to serve post-salvation. In other words, it is a result of you being saved to serve but James is saying you, you serve in order to get saved. James is saying if you have faith, that that faith will become evidence in your actions. What Paul is trying to warn us as well as the Gentiles against is engaging in works in the legalistic effort to secure your salvation. Uh, he plays this out in Galatians 3 and 2 when he says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So Paul wants us to understand that our salvation, 
or any attempt to justify our salvation through our works fails miserably. Paul wants us to understand that our salvation is not secured through our works, but that our works is evidence that we are saved. Okay? So really, when you think about it, Paul and James kind of go like this, hand in hand, lock, step in sync with each other, because they want us to understand that my works does not save me, but my works should demonstrate that I am saved when I have faith. Okay? All right. Now, I went through all of that to kind of start really unpacking this in, in a meaningful way. So let's look at verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but has no works? Okay? James right here, of course, uses this idea that faith can either be alive and strong or dead and false. And so when he talks about faith in verse 14, it is the emphasis on the false claim of faith. It is the idea of saying that I have faith, but I don't have any works and I should be good. Does my faith in and of itself save me? And when you read the writings of, um, of Paul, you and I are saved by grace through faith. So grace really is the antecedent that gives us the, uh, the, the, the wonderful gift of salvation. We proclaim that gift of salvation by our faith. And yet also at the same time, we must understand that faith by itself does no one any good if we're not doing something with our faith. In other words, James says, can our faith save him? No. Does faith save that brother or sister who is hungry and need food? No. That there has to be an action behind that. So merely claiming faith it's not enough. Genuine faith is demonstrated by good works. All right, let me say it again. Genuine faith is demonstrated by good works. So let how does that good work play out? Let's look at verse 15. James is raising a rhetorical question. And basically, James is saying in so many words, uh, suppose brother, sister is naked. They don't have any clothes. They're hungry. They don't have any food. And the church person says to them, depart in peace. Um, be warmed and feel 
but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Or what good does it do for them? Or what advantage does it do for them? That's what the word profit means throughout this text. What is the advantage? What is the good that it's going to do for them? All right. James wants us to understand that talk without actions is like faith without works. Let me say it again. Talk without action is faith without works. Now, let's be honest. We have a whole lot of folks that can talk a great game. But when it comes time for them to put their money where their mouth is or to put something into action, you can't find them. Okay? They, they could talk a good game, but when it comes time for them to put their faith into action, put their money where their mouth is, you don't see them. Because let's be honest, if you don't have clothes or if you don't have food, the last thing you want to hear is somebody talking about faith in God. Okay. Uh, the last thing you want to hear is somebody trying to talk to you about the gospel. Now, feed me. Clothe me. James is leaving no doubt that the person in need in this text, he's talking about a brother or sister in Christ. Talking about a brother and sister that's part of a household of faith. Now, I would dare say that in today's time and culture, uh, many churches, uh, quite a few churches, and I know that in this culture, the church gets a bad rap, but, but I would contend that a lot of churches that are doing good work are doing good work for people who aren't part of that church and really for people who have no confessing faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who are not connected to a church, but that does not uh, prevent those churches from being a blessing to those particular uh, persons because they're part of the collective human family. And so while the church in today's time and culture gets a bad negative rap, um, I would dare say, and I know that has been the case here at St. Paul Church even prior to my coming, uh, that we have been doing work and been a blessing for persons who aren't connected to St. Paul, who uh, don't even believe in God. And yet that does not stop the works that we've done here at St. Paul. And, and so let me, if I could, just give this sharing because here at St. Paul, we have taken our faith whereby we worship a God we cannot see. We celebrate a Jesus that we proclaim is risen from the dead. We feel that we are endowed with the Holy Spirit. We come together either virtually or in physical form to worship that God. And then we are empowered to be a blessing to others in our community. Our faith in us worshiping a God that we cannot see, a Christ that we cannot touch, a Holy Spirit that we cannot manage, has empowered us 
to be a blessing to a community and to a city that needs our aid. Our faith that lets us sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Our faith that allows for us to sing the hymns of the church on Sunday empowers you as disciples to give, to be a blessing through our food pantry, to be a blessing as far as we, us preparing for toys for tots, to be a blessing as far as giveaway when children go back to school, to be a blessing as far as um, uh, our housing development is concerned. Uh, St. Paul, we have great faith and we are doing great works. And it's very important for us to understand, if you don't get anything else, that faith without works is dead. But also at the same time, works without faith is empty. Let me say that again. I'm, I'm trying to bless somebody. Faith without works is dead. However, works without faith have no purpose. All right. Now, 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 this is why when we do mission and when we do ministry, we got to understand why and how we do what we do. Now, I'm getting ready to drop a bombshell on you, and it ain't part of the conversation. But I think that is very important for us to understand. All right. It's very important for us to understand that you can have great faith. You can have great doctrine. You can have wonderful theology. You can do real good in God talk. But if you ain't engaging in God walk, as far as actions are concerned, if you're not engaging in God walk, as far as being a blessing to persons who are in need and you can help them as far as that need is concerned, your faith is empty. It's just a bunch of talk. And unfortunately, there are some people who can do real well when it comes to talking but do nothing to be a blessing to their brother and sister who is in need. All right. Now, here's the flip side. The flip side is you can do great work. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked. Um, be a blessing to those that are less fortunate. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, sure, you're doing good work, but it has no purpose. Ooh, I, I know I'm getting ready to mess somebody up. I'm getting ready to mess somebody up. Now, I know somebody is ultimately saying, but pastor, uh, which one is better, faith or work? My response, you really can't do one well 
without the other. And the reason that you can't do one well without the other is because ultimately, and, and, and if you don't get anything else, if you don't get anything else, I, I want you to get this. Um, I want you to understand that faith really is the essence or essential for us to demonstrate our walk with Christ. Works is the evidence that we're walking with him. Okay? And, and, and I think that this is very, very important that if you don't get anything else, I, I want you to get this. Um, and, and I'm getting ready to really try to drill down on this in a very meaningful way. Uh, faith lives in the actions it generates, and actions require faith to gain a particular meaning. So you can't separate one from the other um, without it losing its essence. Okay? Now, I know somebody is saying, well, if I have a choice, then I'm going to do the work. Fine. Somebody else may be saying, well, if I have a choice, I'm going to have faith and proper belief. Fine. But faith without works is like a body without spirit. Okay. Faith without works is like a body without a spirit. Uh, let me say that one more time. Faith without works is like a body without spirit. It does you no good. Now, now I, I got to drill down on this because I think that oftentimes we can become so focused on doing works that we don't develop our faith and that we don't develop right belief and right understanding of who God is. The flip side of it is that we can also have right belief, but we ain't producing nothing. Now, now here is where I'm getting ready to throw a monkey wrench uh, into this faith, faith work split that some people try to uh, produce. Jesus said, and he talked about this uh, in his writings, that one day uh, when he comes back, there are going to be some folks who say, Master, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And did we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we do good works in your name? And Jesus is going to say what? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know who you are. Let me let that sit for a minute. We're talking about this faith work split. And I'm trying to help you to understand that when you have right faith, it's going to make you want to do something. And if you're doing right work, it's because you got right faith. So you can't separate faith from your works. It's like hand and glove. Okay? Which basically means... And this, this is what makes me want to shout. The more faith I have, the more works I should be willing to do 
or the more of a blessing I should be as far as the kingdom is concerned. Okay. Ah, I'm kind of letting that sit for a moment because guess what? I don't want, you ought to know why you're doing what you're doing and for whom you're doing what you're doing. If you're going to do missions and ministry, you need to understand you ain't doing mission and ministry for St. Paul or for me or for even a person you're serving. You're doing it to what? Glorify God. And if you're doing it to glorify God, then you need to know the God to whom you're glorifying. This is why faith and works cannot be separated. This is why you got to know why you do what you do, for whom you do what you do, so that your faith and your works can go in sync and work hand in hand. Because the more you know about God, the more you want to do for God. And the more you do for God, the more God reveals who God is as far as your essence, the essence of God is concerned. Let, let, let me move on. Because notice what James says, Jones what James says. James says, uh, if you say to somebody who is naked or need food, depart from me, be warm to feel, but you don't give them the things with the need, for the body, what good is that? What, what, what good is that? Okay. Um, what James is saying when he says, depart from me in peace or I wish you well, that's, that was kind of a Jewish standard of saying goodbye. Uh, and, and it implied, departing peace, that implied that the friend's present need was met and that one was hoping for the same in the future. So when you said depart in peace, be warmed and filled, that meant that they had been what? Warmed and they had been what? Filled. But if you don't give them anything to be warmed and filled from, then basically, you have just, in a sense, cursed them. You've engaged in hypocrisy. All right. Ah, uh, Jesus reminds us that the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. Here's what James is really trying to drive home as far as his point is concerned. That oftentimes in the church, all we do is give prayers and advice and encouragement when really we need to do something. We need to act. And sometimes those actions require money. Okay? You, 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 can't, you can't go to Harris Teeter for someone that is hungry and say, ring it up, Jesus paid it all. It requires money. It requires funding. It requires resources. Faith that does not result in action is no more effective than a pious wish for a poor person to be made warm and to be fed. Your wish means nothing. Let me say that again. Your wish means nothing. 
And that's why James drives home this point when he says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Workless faith is worthless faith. Let me say that again. Workless faith is worthless faith. It is unproductive. It is sterile. It is barren. It is dead. All right. In other words, if you and I have an intellectual belief about who God is, but we don't obey the commandments of God, it's dead. It's dead. Let me say that again. It's dead. We see in verse 18, it says, for someone to say, you have faith and I have works. There go that split. There go that split. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. This, this is where James is, is, is hammering it home. James is basically speaking to this hypothetical person that's saying, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, uh, I'm going to flip it because when you see my works, you will know my faith. Faith and works cannot be separate when you want to carry out the mandates of Christ. Faith lives, here's the shout, in the action it generates. Ooh, I'm giving you some fun. Faith lives in the action it generates. Action requires faith to gain a particular meaning. So, 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 so if you say, okay, God, I got faith in you that I'm going to pass this test, but you don't open up the book to study. God, I, I, I got faith in you for my health, but you don't do any exercise. God, I, I got faith in you to build a church, but you don't give anything to build a church. You just think that God's going to do it like a video game. Just grow it out of nowhere. James says, show me your faith without deeds. It can't be done. No way. I know somebody getting ready to get mad. Stop talking about you have faith and you don't tithe and give an offering. Stop talking about you have faith and you don't work in a mission or a ministry. Stop talking about you have faith and you're not sharing the good news of the gospel with the poor. Stop talking about you have faith and you're not helping somebody that's less fortunate who cannot reciprocate. Stop it. I know I just made somebody mad. But I hope in making you mad, you have become convicted and I hope that when in your conviction, you will become convinced 
and move from talk to walk. Faith without deeds is meaningless. See, here's the other thing. Faith is inside. That's internal work. That's the internal aspect. Faith is inside. And your faith can only be seen by your actions, by the work you're, you're doing outside. Any faith that does not move its believers to action is not a faith worth keeping. Verse 19, <laughs> James says, this is where he really insults folk. <laughs> you believe that there is one God? That was the Jewish aspect. Jews were monotheistic people. They practiced that Shema. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4. You know, they had that down pat. James says, you, you, you believe, you believe in, in, in there's one God. That's fine. That's cool. That's wonderful. You're doing well. But notice what he said. He said, even demons believe and tremble. Ooh. Ooh. Even demons believe and tremble. See, here's Israel's problem, and here's our problem. Israel is so confident that she had the ultimate revelation of who God was. And James wants them to understand that's fine. That's cool. He said, I know Deuteronomy 6.4. I'm very familiar with it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Okay, There's only one God. But James says that acceptance of a doctrine, even a true doctrine, does not save you. Because he said the demons have complete and thorough conviction that there is a God. Demons believe there is a God. They believe in God, but they don't obey God. They resist God. So belief ain't enough. Because <gasps> even the demons shudder and demonstrate that their faith is real in God, even though their faith is misdirected. So, so here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Stop going around saying, yeah, I believe there's God, but you don't obey God. Your belief mean nothing. Mere, ex mere assent to the existence of the idea of God and you ignore God means nothing. So we have to have people understand you got to go beyond belief. You don't impress God because you admit God exists. As, as a matter of fact, and I know somebody getting ready to get upset with this. As a matter of fact, if you just only admit that there is a God, you're on the same level as a demon. Saving faith is not merely intellectual assent that there is a God. It starts deep within us and it is expressed in our actions, in our words, 
in our work. That's why we got to help people to understand, first of all, why they believe what they believe and then put that belief into practice. This is why, and I've encountered this here at St. Paul, this is why you have folks who, you find grown folks who admit that they were baptized when they were little and didn't understand why they were baptized. They didn't give a serious thought to what they were actually saying. They were just nodding their head. Okay? Just nodding their head. It was a kind of thoughtless, lifeless faith that James is challenging. J James is not contending that believing in, in God is trivial. What he is urging us to do is express our belief through our character. I close with this. Let's look at verse 20. But do you want to know, old foolish man, that faith without works is dead? It is the foolish person. It is the hollow person, the shallow person. Who will say, I believe in God, but then does nothing for God. The respondent is saying faith is not the key. What counts is works. James is saying, eh, 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 eh. the belief in one God may not be to trust in that God. Until your belief becomes trust, it ain't real faith. And until it becomes trust, it ain't going to produce good work. The flip side of that person would say, well, I'll do the work. James said, uh-uh. But James is saying that works are essential to your faith. He's not saying that. Or he's not saying that faith is unimportant. What James is saying, and this is what it boils down to, that your works are evidence that you have faith. Old foolish man, old lazy man, idle man, faith without works is useless. He, 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 I close with this. James is basically saying flimsy faith is dead. And so are empty faithless works. James is not pro-works anti-faith and he's not pro-faith anti-works. James is pro-works pro-faith. James wants us to understand that generous, genuine faith will always, always be accomplished by good works. And that spiritual works are the evidence, not the energizer of real faith. I, I close on that. I close on that. I close on that. So before we close out, uh, are there any questions as far as what has been shared? Does anyone have any questions that you would like to, to put in the chat uh, before we close out?
for this time. Any questions? Any questions? All right. Same with not. Next week, we're going to deal with uh, verse 21 through 26, talking about Abraham and Rahab, two examples of real faith. And um, uh, let me see. Oh, I see Brother Ira Alexander. Uh, what becomes of a person who claimed faith but yet did not have physical strength or the time to do work? Is that person's salvation valid? Very good question. Very good question, Brother Ira. So like the thief on the cross, thief on the cross, uh, when he died, um, well, when he when he came to, to uh, a faith in Jesus Christ, he couldn't come down from the cross and do any works. So his salvation is, is, is valid. So remember, you're not saved through your works. You're saved because of grace. Grace is extended to you through faith. But when you have the opportunity, your faith ought to make you do some good works. Okay. So that's how that's 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 the response to that. All right. Okay. And and, and let me just also say that we are rewarded for our works. That's a reward that we as followers of Jesus Christ will get. We will get rewards for our works. All right. Any other questions? Any other questions? Any other questions? All right. Well, as we prepare to leave from this moment of sharing, um, thank you all so much uh, for your time. And we hope and pray that uh, this has been uh, a moment of good sharing. Uh, I want to encourage you that if you feel led to uh, give, you can do that. There are three ways you can give here at St. Paul. First of all, by sending check uh or money order uh to the church at 1401 allen street charlotte 28205 uh or you can bring your check cash or money order to the church uh call the church first at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering um you can also go to our website and through either church life or ACS, you can give there. And then you can also give through the app called Givelify. And uh, uh, so I want to uh, give you this wonderful opportunity to put your faith in action because one of the ways that we really can put our faith in action in a very tangible, meaningful way is by giving. That That is probably the number one way that we can put our faith into action is through giving. Uh, Elizabeth Summers want to know that if you have faith but don't add services, that mean you really don't have faith? That is correct, Jose. Yes. Yes. That is correct. That is correct. Yes. If you, if you, if you say you have faith but you're not doing anything, your faith may not be genuine. That is correct. That's what James is saying. Yes. Uh, let's close out in prayer and um, I'll bid you all to do. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful time. You have demonstrated to us that real faith requires work. Our works do not save us, but our works are evidence of our faith. Lord, we believe. <laughs> Help our unbelief. How do you do that? 
by empowering us to do greater things for you. So God, uh, for those places that you're calling us to serve, for those places you're calling us to, to grow and become and to give, uh, let it be evident through our faith. And let our faith produce great work where you're glorified. In your son Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Listen, God bless you all. Uh, and may heaven smile upon you.